That was a test. Pastor Rob showed me how to do that this morning. We have some sign-up sheets for the daddy uh, training camp right out on the table. So if you'd like to sign up for that, that would be great. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day again to all the dads. How good it is to be here together with you in this room, as well as everyone that's online. So glad that you're with us. Uh, Kristen is our host this morning. And so if you're online, give a big shout out and thanks to Kristen for uh, the work that she does. And maybe you can share with each other some of the things that you remember of your dad or some great memories that you have. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Wendell Fole, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving here as Minister of Care. And um, so I was out in the kids' area earlier uh, this morning, and there's just a lot of excitement and buzz about Father's Day. And I heard a lot of dads, a lot of the kids were kind of bragging about their dads. In fact, I heard a conversation between Rob's girls and Trevin's boys and another little girl. I didn't know her name, but they were all bragging. And the little girl said, you know, my dad, he writes a couple words on a piece of paper. He calls it a poem. He ships it off, and they give him $10. Well, Niall said, you know what? I don't want to be beat here. He says, my dad, he puts some notes on a piece of paper, puts words underneath it. He calls it a song. He sends it off, and they give him $25. Rose, Rob's oldest daughter, says, huh. She started to think about that. She says, you know what? My daddy, he writes a sermon. He puts words on a paper. He gets up front, and he reads it, and it takes five people to bring the money to him after he gets done preaching. <laughs> so... Uh, grateful for all of you who are dads. What an honor and a privilege that we have. Uh, out of all the hats that we wear as fathers, uh, probably one of the most important and challenging and overwhelming and exciting responsibility that we have is to be a dad, to take care of those that God has given to us. And one of the things I quickly realized after uh, becoming a dad, there, there is no training manual there's no graduate course that says, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And I remember leaving the hospital thinking, oh, no, I am scared, right? They, they take, care of, take care of everything. I got home, and I remember trying to put a onesie on my son. I felt like I broke all of his arms, trying to get the, they just don't help a whole lot. And um, in the hospital, you could hit the button. And when we brought Joe home, he started crying. I couldn't find the button. There was no button for me. Being a dad is challenging, and I've learned a lot about being a dad over 35-plus years. I'm a, I was a dad of little ones, and now I have the honor and the privilege of being a dad of grown-ups, and I really love that. One of the things I'm, I'm so thankful for is the role of my own father. Uh, I, he wasn't a perfect man because there's no such thing as that, but my dad was a, a great role model for me to pattern my own uh, being a dad to my children. And so I was blessed. And I realize when I say that, there are others who would say, I never had that privilege. My dad abandoned me or my dad abused me or my dad was just too busy to even give me any time. And I didn't have a model to follow after. And so you might feel like if you didn't have that model, like my dad, all I've got left is maybe the best book on daddyhood or a seminar or something like that. Well, this morning I want to let you know that's not true. You're not just left alone if you didn't have a good earthly father. Because we have a model, we have a father that we can look to uh, uh, any time, and he's always there for us. We have a father who loves us unconditionally. Unlike any earthly example that we could look at, this father is always faithful, he's always loving, he's always consistent, he's always fair. And as his children, as children of God, we have God himself, the creator of the world, as our father. So why do we call him father? 
Well, if you spend any time reading God's word, you will find reference after reference to God as our Father in the Bible. I just have four of them that I would read this to you this morning. Psalm 68.5, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is a God in his holy dwelling. 1 Corinthians 8.6, yet for us there is but one God, the Father from whom all things came and, from, and for whom we live, and there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you, you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then Ephesians 1, 2. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the perfect model for us to follow. Think about it. He never lied. He never broke a promise. He never cheated. He never ignored us. He always sought our good, even above his own, and he wants us as dads to strive to be like him. And so because he, he is our Heavenly Father, I guess the question is, what can we learn from him as we try to be the best dads that we possibly can be? Now, uh, if you're not a dad or if you're a lady, I don't want you to tune me out because I think the lessons that we'll be talking about here are very transferable for all of us. So please don't do that. If someone is uh, nodding out or thinking they're not connecting, give them a little prod. The other thing I just thought of this, if you're the spouse of uh, the father of your children, I would ask you to listen and um, use these things we're gonna talk about as encouragement to him in his role as a dad. Does that make sense? Okay, so what I thought would be interesting for us to do is return to the Garden of Eden where God interacted with his very two first children, Adam and Eve, because there in the garden we get our first glimpse of God as our father. And as, as the perfect father, he models some things that I think if we put into practice, we can all become better dads. So uh, what we're gonna do is look at four different uh, lessons on fatherhood uh, from the garden. And uh, the very first one is fathers know the needs of their children. Fathers know the needs of their children. And after creating the perfect, uh, the perfect world, uh, God placed Adam right in the middle of the center of the garden. He says, I want you to care for it. And you think about it, in this garden, it was perfect. No smog, no congestion, no car warranty calls at dinner, none of those things. No flat tires, no cavities. It was perfect in every way, yet Adam has a need. Adam has a need. So what does Adam do when you have a need? What do you do? You go to God. He says, God, I need somebody for company. I need somebody to be around me. And God says, okay, I will give you the perfect companion. I am going to create something called a woman. And she is going to be beautiful. She's going to be intelligent. She's going to be gracious. She's going to be strong. She's going to complete you. And she's going to make you into who you could never be without her. And Adam says, wow, that is awesome. But there's a question, God. How much is that going to cost me? And God says, well, I think it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. They go, ooh, that's kind of steep. How, what can I get for a rib, God? Is there anything you could do for a rib? All right. Marion told me not to do that, but I did it anyway. So <laughs> here's what's interesting. Here's the interesting fact here. It wasn't Adam who identified what his need was. God knew what his need was. God knew his need before Adam did. And in Genesis 2.18, and the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. And God identified his need and he met it in the most beautiful and perfect way he could by creating Eve to complete him. Later on in chapter three, and this is after Adam and Eve have messed up pretty badly, 
Uh, of course, you remember they're in the garden, they're walking, and of course they recognize that they're naked, and they come, and God, they run and they hide from it, and so what does God do? Genesis 3:21. the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Even after they messed up, he knew what their need was, and he provided for them. And many times we think that when we mess up, God's going to take off on us. That's not true. He's going to be there, and he's going to help us, and he's going to meet our need. And as a father, he knew and understood everything that Adam and Eve needed. Again, you look at this concept, you can see it all throughout the scriptures. Probably the most uh, beautiful example is Psalm 139. Uh, It says, O Lord, you've examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my every thought went far away. You chart the path ahead of me and tell me where to stop and rest. Every moment, you know where I am. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. And so if he knows all of that about us, don't you think he knows every one of our needs and he's going to provide for us and take care of us? So as we look at the Father's example in the garden, I think what it teaches us is that we need to become students of our own children. We need to make sure that we know all about them. We need to know what makes them tick. We need to know what they like. We need to know what they don't like. We need to know what their weaknesses are, their strengths. We need to know what embarrasses them so we don't do that. We need to know how to encourage them and build them up. And it's different for every one of our kids. They're made so differently. Um, The more that you know your child, the better you'll be able to assist them to become all that God created them to be. And he gave them to you as uh, your children to be able to do that. So you say, how do I do that? How do I get to know my kids better? Uh, just a couple, couple, couple ideas here. Number one, why don't you ask questions? Ask lots of questions. So I know, hey, how was your day? What's the answer? Good. What'd you learn? Stuff. But you know what? After a while, as you continue to ask and they realize that you really want to know, it's going to create conversation. So don't let it end with just those one little word answers. How about this? How about spending some time on their turf? My son loved to play computer games. I could not figure out how to double tap A, twist C, and do this. I could do Mario Kart, all right? But my fingers would be so tight when I was holding on to the little steering wheel. But I tried, I tried, I tried. I couldn't. They play all these other games. I'm trying to do those as well. But spend time with what they like to do. They like to, maybe they like to ski, go skiing. Maybe they like to snowboard. Go snowboard and do something that lets them know that you're willing to do something that they like, right? This is a big one. And as I think back, I wish I did a lot better. How about being liberal with your praise? I find it much easier to find things that they did wrong than they did right. I find it much easier to find things that they did wrong than they did right. And I wonder if we just counted to 10 many times and just kind of close our mouths when we see those things that are wrong and look for things that we can say, awesome job, guys. You did awesome. And find those ways to be able to speak those truths into their lives. And one last one, ask the child's mother about your children because they know their kids. The things that I couldn't even begin to understand what was going on with my children, Marianne would know. So use her and let her help you out to, to be able to figure those things. So this Father's Day, as you guys go home and you're, you're cared for and you're nurtured and all those fun things, I would, I would challenge you to make a commitment to learn or discover the five top needs that your kids have. Figure out what that might be. Sit down with your spouse and say, hey, what do you think? 
and then put those five things into, you know, how do I develop in those areas with my children? And I'll guarantee you, your relationships is going to get better. Does that make sense? Anybody agree to do that? No show of hands because we'll hold you accountable to it. All right? All right, second, second lesson here. Fathers are one women men. Fathers are one women men. You know, I think it's pretty interesting that when God created mankind, he created Adam. He didn't, he didn't just create Adam and Eve and Meredith and Alice and Teresa, right? He, he, he created one man and one woman. It was Adam and Eve. And in Genesis 1:27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And in doing this, God the Father declared the primary and central relationship in every family is the marriage. And that is a relationship between one man and one woman. And as fathers, I believe one of the best things that we can do to develop our children into being who God wants them to be is that we develop our relationship with our spouse that they know that we love our wife and that they are to be honored and they are to be treated well. And I believe that you look, I think it's very true that you have a strong marriage, you're going to have a strong family. It's also interesting if you, you can look in the New Testament, there's two places that list the qualifications for someone who would be a leader in the church. And it, and it says that they are to be the husband of what? Of one wife. And that phrase could literally be translated a one-woman kind of man. And why would, why would God put that in there? Because he knew that strong marriages make strong families, and ultimately, strong families make strong churches. And we believe that the church truly is the hope of the world where the gospel message is proclaimed. And it starts as we develop our relationships in our family. Now, unfortunately, our enemy, Satan, he also knows the power of a one-woman kind of man. And from the beginning of time, he has been doing everything he can to destroy and weaken the marriage relationships. And of course, all you have to do is look around. Even many of your own experiences, marriages are breaking apart very quickly. Uh, Steve Farrar is an author, and he wrote a book called Point Man. And he points out that Satan has two specific goals in his war against the family. There's strategy number one, to effectively alienate and sever a husband's relationship with his wife. And strategy number two, to effectively alienate and sever a father's relationship with his children. I have a short paragraph from the book here. It says, families are dying all over America. They are dying on my street and on yours. In every one of these dead homes, the autopsy would be the same. Cause of death, strategy number one, the enemy cannot kill a family without dividing the husband and the wife. So that is where he puts his efforts, and it is working. It is a strategy that has been around for thousands of years. It's called divide and conquer. Now you think about in the garden, we see this uh, in taking place. And you remember that in, uh, in Genesis chapter 3, uh, Eve was all by herself. Listen to what it says in verse 1 here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made, and he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So where's Adam? The Bible doesn't tell us. It doesn't say where he went. But what we do know is he was not there. He was not protecting and he was not providing for it at that place. And so Satan finds Eve all by herself and he goes in for the juggler vein. And I believe that if Adam was there doing what he's supposed to be doing, things would have been different. So dads, 
I believe that one of the greatest things you can do to improve yourself as a father this year is to show your kids how much you love and value and honor your wife. What does that mean? It means give her a hug, a little PDA, not here at church, please, but at home somewhere along the way. Date her, get your vows out maybe, review them, recommit to them. You go online, how do I show love to my wife? 362 ideas. There's tons of things you can do. But let your wife know that you love her and let your children know that you love her. And that'll make a great impact on, their, on them. Before we go to the next one, I want to address two different groups in the room. One, some of you have already had your marriages dissolve. And sec- the other group, uh, you're struggling. Your marriage is struggling. Uh, some of the tips that we've been talking about, it's a little bit late to put into practice because your marriage has already crumbled, Right? Um, but I cannot think of one situ- situation that will improve your responsibility as a father by bad-mouthing your ex. So as you talk about your ex in front of your children, be respectful of her. Be respectful. Don't tear her down. Don't, don't be mean and allow them to see how it is to actually be kind. And then for those of you who's, whose marriages are in trouble, get help. Get help. Um, don't be so prideful and pig-headed to say, I'm not going to do that. There are plenty of people who can help you. There's counselors. We, I would love to sit down from a pastoral perspective and talk with you. But get help. Don't ever buy into the lie that it's too late because it's not too late. Does that make sense? Okay. Awesome. Lesson three. Fathers. Fathers spend time with their children. Fathers spend time with their children. Um, in Genesis chapter 3, again, we've uh, talked about this a little bit. Starting in verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So I get this picture. God is out for a stroll in the evening. It's in the cool of the day, so it's going to kind of be like it is today. It's not going to be too hot, not too cold. And he's out looking for his children because he wants to have a chat with them. And he asked this question, where are you? And why did he ask where are you? Because he enjoyed spending time with them. And as dads, I think we all understand how important that is. In fact, at this point, I could probably pull up all kinds of statistics and tell you how little time dads actually spend with their children. I could get Trevin to come up and play little cats in the cradle and we could think about it, get a little bit guilt, a little bit guilt here, but I don't think guilt really works. The only thing that works in this is that we truly make it a priority to spend time with our kids. And so, how do we do that? You pull out your calendar and you fill it in your calendar. Every Tuesday, every other Tuesday, I have an appointment, and it's with Rob. It's in my calendar. I make that appointment. We have a planning meetings. We have review meetings. I make those meetings. Why? because they're in my calendar. I think we should all have spots in our calendar that has our children's names and our spouse's names. So when someone says, hey, can you do this? You go, look, uh, I have an appointment. I can't do that. Fill it in once a week even, starting it out, and say, hey, how can I spend time with my kids? Some of you have got a lot of kids. You might have to do every other week. I don't know, you know. But spend some time. Does that make sense? It sounds so simple, but the evil one knows how to chip us up in that, Okay? All right, one last one. Lesson number four. Again, same verse, Genesis 3, 8, and 9. 
Um, Adam and Eve, they really knew they had messed up pretty badly. God understood they'd messed up pretty badly. They had said, God, we don't need you. Thank you very much. It's really nice that you've put us here, but we're going to do what we need to do. And at this point, I think Adam and Eve should have been very, very happy that not only is God omnipotent because he could have zapped them, he's also a loving and caring God. He is a God of unconditional love. And at that point, if he had zapped them, we all would have said, yep, they needed it. They deserved it. But our Heavenly Father, our Father, is both all-powerful and at the same time, he's all-loving and his love is not dependent how good or how bad we are. He loves you unconditionally. And our children need to know that because they know when we're not so happy with them. They know when, we, when they've messed up. But our children need to know more than anything that we are still always going to love them. Just as we see the God the Father here. When he called, where are you? He was really saying, I'm here, just come to me. Just come to me. I'm not casting you out in any way. I want you to know that I love you. Your love, his love is perfect. And our love, we need to do the same. We need to learn to do the same. So let's be real. Our kids are going to disappoint us, right? But to keep us humble, we are going to disappoint our children too. We're going to mess up and we're going to say things that are stupid. We're going to wish that we could get them back. But in those moments, we need to learn to extend to our kids unconditional love. You think about it, it's the very love that Jesus modeled for us. Paul wrote in Romans, Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. He died for us not when we got it pretty, not when we got everything perfect. He died for us when we were sinners. And so, Dad, my challenge is to all of us is for us to look for practical ways to demonstrate our love to our kids because they need to hear it and they need to feel it. I found a chart it said this, recommended daily requirements for hugs, four a day for survival, eight a day for maintenance, and 12 a day for growth. So how many hugs do you need to give your kids after service today? I, I want you to look for them. Is it an easy job being a dad? Uh, not always, is it? And I know you're gonna try, and I know you're probably gonna fail, because we all do, but keep on keeping on, and, and keep on praying for the kids that God gave to you. One of the ways that we, we remember and celebrate God the Father's love toward us is by coming around the communion table and sharing communion together. Uh, most You should have got a communion cup when you came in. If you didn't do that, would you just put your hand up and some folks in the back will, will get you one. For those who are online, you can run to the fridge and get some juice and a cracker right now. But God so loved us, the scriptures tell us, that he sent his son to die for us. If you know John 3.16, you can say it with me. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. He loved us. I want to read for you uh, the passage that the Apostle Paul recorded for us in 1 Corinthians 11. Um, it starts in verse 23. It says, For I received from the Lord... What I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then verse 27. So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. I'd like to take just a couple seconds for us to examine, to look inside and to say, hey Lord, I know there's all this stuff that's been in here and I, I know that I've been forgiven, but I just wanna confess to you that these, maybe there's some of these things that are still lingering and I just need to bring them to you and let you know that I'm grateful for the forgiveness that you've offered. And if there's things that you need to take care of that you could do that now. So let's just be quiet for a few minutes and then we'll share our elements. none of what you just heard as uh, we've raised our voices to surprise you in any way. You're very aware of those things. In fact, you're so aware that's why you sent your son Jesus. And so we're grateful that we can come to you and confess to you those things that we know are not pleasing and realize that uh, without your help, uh, we're just, we're really in trouble. So we thank you for, for your forgiveness. I'm gonna encourage you to take your little tab here and pull it off the top, pull out your piece of bread. During the Passover meal, there were several pieces of bread that were shared, and Jesus gave new meaning to, to, to uh, one of them. He said, this is my body, which is for you. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat together. Jesus, thank you for willingly come to this earth and then willingly going to the cross to take our sins and we love you let's open up our, our cups he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me in the covenant of grace not a cup no longer of law but it was unbelievable grace toward us let's do this in remembrance of him we thank you that you were willing to die on the cross to have your blood shed there for us. Your word tells us without the shedding of blood, there be no forgiveness. And so we this morning are grateful. And thank you. Thank you for this time that we can take to remember all that you've done. And we love you. We love you, Jesus. I pray your blessing on all fathers and may we go and be the best dads that we can for our children. It's your name we pray, Jesus. And everyone said together, amen. <laughs>